Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Good afternoon to you. It's great to be here with you for the call. We are live at Barangaroo Studios. So this is the program, 10 stocks picked by you, two experts, all in one hour. It is the 2nd of October. Great to be with you. I'm Nadine Blaney. Okay, there is uh, nothing really else to talk about except for what is um, driving what you would like to have in your portfolio. So why don't we just welcome our guests in. We've got Rudy Filipek van Dyke. He's joining us from FN Arena. We've also got Claude Walker from A Rich Life here with us at our Barangaroo studios. So, gents, great of you to come in today. I'm looking forward to it all. I know you've already had a bit of a Twitter convo going on about this. Um, let's do stock of the day. We are in the shadows, you could say, here at Barangaroo of a very big building and casino that's being built as we speak. So, Crown is the stock of the day. Uh, Crown is in the middle of an investigation into um, basically how it brought in high rollers into the situation. Um, do you think that that makes Crown, uh, yeah, an unwelcome place to put your money? Um, I'm going to restrain myself today, but I think there are multiple reasons why Crown is an uninvestable stock uh, for most investors. If you're not of the belief that there's a price for everything, and um, and you want to you want to own a stock that that treats you well, and at the very least has uh, a lot of governance in, in favor of, of investors, then Crown is simply not the place to be. So we've got former executive chair John Alexander, as I mentioned, fronting that public inquiry. So really admitting to risk management and corporate governance failures, it resulted in the detention of 19 uh, employees when Chinese gambling became unstuck. That was about three years ago. We will have James Packer fronting this inquiry next week. I mean, that is going to be headline making, but fundamentally, what do you think of the business? I, I think essentially it is very poor. Uh, the question really is how savage can we be? Uh, if you go back a few years, it was clear that um, they were getting a lot of gamblers from China and also that China wasn't necessarily thrilled about having high rollers come to Australia. Now that was foreseeable quite some years ago. and. To my surprise, because I thought that I would continue sort of being able to run this business model for quite some time, but to my surprise, this has actually come unstuck recently. And to our credit in Australia, we're having an inquiry into it. But the real key going forward here is that not that long ago, just in 2019, when the newspapers originally started telling stories about this, uh, Crown put out this announcement saying that they um, that the newspapers were in error because. Uh, they didn't mention that the parent of Sun City is a large company listed on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange, which operates globally. Now they are now admitting that that was just wrong. So what we have here is a board signing off on information to the Stock Exchange, which is just wrong. And I think that that hones in on that exact point that Rudy was making, which is, for me, it's uninvestable. You would never catch me putting my money in a company that does that. Okay. So what about Crown as a reopening trade, though? 
I mean, if we're just talking about it purely as a place to make yeah. some money, um, they've mentioned even in the midst of this inquiry that they're pushing ahead with a December open. I don't remember the date exactly. I, I think. I think there are better opportunities out there if you want if you want if you want to play the reopening trade. Um, if you if you look at, at the long term of stocks like Crown and there's there's plenty of them around in, in the share market. Ultimately, every stock has its moment under the sun and they have a rally for which lasts a few weeks or a few months. But over time, they do not necessarily go up in, in share price. And um, I think it's better for investors to, 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 to invest in stocks where the chances are much higher that if you hold them for longer, that you actually keep on making gains and not just make a gain in, in the short term only. So I think there's much better propositions around there. Okay, I'm not going to push the point anymore. Both of these guys are saying no <laughs> to so Crown, which yet. is our stock of the day. No doubt it will be yeah in focus next week, though, because of the fact that we'll see James Packer apparently on Tuesday. So budget day, RBA day. We'll probably be hoping it'll steal some headlines away from him. But um, yeah, we'll be following that story next week, no and doubt. And we're not going to we're not going to mention Mariah Carey. I know, let's hope not. Okay, let's get to the questions that have been posed by you. The first one is Domino's Pizza, and this suggestion has come from Jason. Jason, I will begin by asking, ah, I'm going to go to you, Claude, because we saw a pretty solid start to FY21 being evidenced in the most recent update coming from the company. Uh, but I suppose it's how does Domino's turn some of the new customers, potentially it got through COVID, into returning customers? Well, that's a good question. And, and you're absolutely right that it has surprised the market nicely with how well it's gone through this period. And looking at the same store sales growth forecast of, I think, plus 11%, I think it's fair to say that these guys do intend and believe that they will not only be able to win new customers, but keep them. Now, I think that the advantage that Domino's has in this sort of competitive dynamic here is they've been doing delivery as, a, as an important part of their business for a really long time. So you'd expect that they're ahead of the game there. And I think that's probably what we're seeing through these numbers here. And uh, your guess is as good as mine if they can keep it going forward. However, what I would say is I think that other people, other organizations that sell food, restaurants, are going to be getting more and more competitive in the delivery space over time. And they already have pro probably over the last few months. So. I would question whether coming out of COVID, perhaps there's a little bit more fierce competition for Domino's there. But generally speaking, I'd feel pretty confident that Domino's will continue to hold its own and do pretty well. It's out in front. This is part of its business model. It is quite an adaptable uh, yeah. food business for this situation. And final point, they've been really prioritized making sure that all of their stores keep operating and they don't have any exits. At a significant cost as well. Yeah. And they have committed to supporting the franchisee network through COVID. Um, internationally, you know, Japan has done very well. So do you like the diversity that owning Domino's provides? These, these guys are selling, selling pizza to the French. That's the big, <laughs> the big, uh, the big achievement. I mean, I grew up close to France and in that those days they weren't eating pizza I can tell you that one how long ago was that I'm kidding in a previous life <laughs> so Domino's as an investment opportunity because you know UBS for one says that positive aspects and there are you know many have been priced in well I was I was, I was sort of like going going there um, it was already obvious before we had the pandemic that that the, the, it, it's not going that smoothly anymore at, 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 at uh, inside of, of Domino's. I mean, there's going into Germany, they were already in Belgium, uh, Holland, uh, France, Japan, uh, and obviously Australia. Uh, um, 
there were all, I mean, long story short, I think given the risks that are definitely there and the share price is now uh, at or near all time high, you probably want to, you probably want to, just to manage your risk a little bit, you don't want to buy them here, but you want to buy them on, on, on a serious pullback, um, which might, which might come if we still have an election to come and et cetera. Um, just to manage your risk, because this, yes, this remains one of the prime growth stories on the share market, but a lot of that is priced in, I agree with that one, and as I said earlier, it was much easier for them five, six years ago, and we've, we've, had, we've had some stumbles in between, and, and no doubt there will be more stumbles coming, because one of the issues you just mentioned, the, the, the franchisees, that's not going to go away at any, any point, and there are analysts out there who believe that part of their growth was that they were basically taking it away from the franchisees earlier and now have to give it back to the franchisees to keep them alive. And that's not good for you as a shareholder in, 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 the, in the parent company. So just to manage your risk, I wouldn't buy them here. If you want to buy them, wait for a pullback. Okay. Will you buy? No, I'm definitely a hold in the a whole hold. Account okay. this one. All right. Um, when it comes to our next company, ResMed RMD, many of you will be familiar with the company. It's definitely generated a lot of headlines through COVID because, of course, they had the opportunity to provide ventilators. Um, this is a question coming from Julie. So, um, ResMed, again, I suppose you could talk about valuation. You could talk about you know trading on elevated multiples, really. No, no, I don't. Well, we can, but I don't think that's the story. I, I think if you look at the Australian share market the last two decades, the sector on the stock exchange that has absolutely blown away every other sector on the share market is the healthcare sector. And that's not necessarily because it's healthcare, it's because we have these great companies that represent the top of the healthcare uh, companies. I mean, we have CSL, of course, we have uh, Cochlear, and we have, we have ResMed, which the top three uh, is pretty much responsible for that art performance, and it's a gigantic art performance. These are excellent international operators, leaders in their field, um, ResMed, before they reported in August, was at an all-time high. Uh, I mean, they shaved $4 off the share price, 28 to 20 to 24 uh, It's sort of stabilizing here, doesn't know where, where to go next direction. It's because, they're on one hand, they're, they're basically being a victim of the pandemic, because people, people are being um, no longer referred to them. But on the other hand, they're making the felt to the front layer. So it's a one-hand, mm -hmm. other-hand uh, story. Now the ventilator story is probably gonna gonna deflate from here onwards because there's less casualties around. Mm -hmm. I mean, so now it's 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 almost a reopening trade. I regard them as a reopening really? trade, but the market won't do it. The market will more look at banks and resources stocks mm -hmm. and and travel stocks. So I think if there is weakness in Resmen at some point on that principle, I would definitely start loading up. I mean, I am full disclosure. I'm a shareholder. It's a uh, uh, it's, it's quite a sizable part in my, in my portfolio and has been for a very long time. And I think uh, it's still a very, very good exposure to have for a long term. Okay, so do you think, Claude, that as we see normalcy returning, as we move through this pandemic, you know, knock on wood, that we will see the recovery in sleep aids um, that is expected? Or do you think that there also might come with that some price pressures, you know, questions about how much it will be covered by insurance? And then, of course, you look to other markets as well. I mean, could Chinese markets be the savior? Uh, I, yeah, putting aside Chinese markets, I'm not sure about that. Mm -hmm. But I do think, to answer your other question, yes, it, it will. The business will definitely benefit from reopening. As healthcare systems go back to normalcy, then definitely I see the business of ResMed uh, getting stronger as a result of that. And I, I agree with what Rudy said. In terms of the underlying business, certainly, I don't know if the market will get excited about it, but certainly the underlying business 
is to me definitely something that benefits from reopening or, or solving the COVID problems. Uh, what I would also point to though is that as normalcy comes back, I think the longer term thematics will reassert themselves and that is one of like quite a lot of tailwinds for this company, which is why it has outperformed, for, partly why, sorry, it's also competitive strength, but partly why it's outperformed for so many re years. Um, as more people um, suffer from obesity, there's a higher demand for their mm -hmm. products. As more people um, suffer from old age, joking, it's great, <laughs> um, I'm sure, um, they also have higher demand. And then for... he looked at me, he looked at me. <laughs> Our audience has missed part of the conversation in the break anyways, we'll uh, go on. Um, so they benefit from that as well. And, you know, there's actually the possibility that basically anything that um, impacts breathing ability is quite potentially going to end up in more demand for their at-home devices that help people breathe clearly at night, which is And even, you know, I've spoken with Mick Farrell a couple of times now through the COVID crisis. It's the unknowns when people recover from COVID as well. Exactly. So I wouldn't be entirely surprised. And also ResMed has already been expanding into, it's not just sleep apnea, you know, they want to treat um, other pulmonary diseases where people need help. Mm -hmm. And that's probably a growth area. They've also got software elements to their offering now right. that help people managing those different degrees and as an asthmatic myself i've got a lot of sympathy for just how important it is to be breathing um mm. clearly and so if somebody needs these devices and this is helping them breathe better then it's going to be a high priority spend for them mm -hmm. and for that reason i see this also as having resilient qualities so whilst i don't own shares myself the only reason i don't is because i tend to just go for smaller more high growth um, inflection point stuff. This is a great stock. It's a father-in-law stock in my book. And, you know, to me, it would be a buy with the caveat being I don't actually own shares myself. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, Julie, hope that helped. Let's get to our next stock. Number three on the list is Audinate, so 88. Um, this has been sent in by Lan. So no specific question attributed to it. So let's just approach this one um, in the terms of would you buy it now? Because I know that we've had a conversation about Audinate before. Yeah, we have. I know you like the company. Right. Um, so state your case again, why you like the company and whether or not it would be a buy now. Okay, cool. Well, the first bit's easy, which is I really like this company because essentially what it does is it allows uh, audio networks and, in, and they hope to in the future more video networks to put those video and audio signals over ethernet cable, over fiber optic cable rather than over copper cable. Now this is beneficial for many, many reasons. Control that it gives the con controller people, but also cost, it's less than copper cables. And their chips are required in all of the devices. So as they become in more and more of all of the devices, and that's how the devices talk to each other, all the devices have to have these chips. So after, it's gradually creeping up, creeping up. It's like until all of the devices have it, everyone needs it. And then in theory, which I think will be true, you have pricing power. And then you can just start saying, all right, put the price up. And that's how they're setting up a situation where they could rise prices in excess of inflation every single year for a long time. But they are not yet at that point. Yeah. And whilst they are managing to grow the number of um, OEMs, original equipment manufacturers, who are using mm -hmm. their stuff, which is the great underlying story here, which is positive, the downside is that these manufacturers are selling less of their big audio networking equipment because of COVID, which yeah. is stopping big gatherings of people, which is the main point of these big mm. systems. So that's quite a headwind there. And that's seeing the half on half revenue actually go down, which then means you've got a story of something trading on, I think 14 times revenue with the revenue actually going down. And that's why I only have a tiny, teeny, teeny little holding in it because for me, I just can't pay such a big revenue multiple of a company that's actually not growing. So that's my story. Yeah, right. It's also called, correct me if I'm wrong, but they're not profitable. They're not. They're not profitable. That's, that's, that's exactly, because I, 
correct me again if I'm wrong, did they raise capital this they year? They did, yeah, yeah, $40 they million. Dollars. There you go, yeah, exactly. So, so, so I think this was one of those stories, because it was on my radar as well, which looked really, really good in 2019, but you just have to realize this year, there's no live concerts, all the big stadiums are empty, and that's basically, that's, that's, that's the end market. So they just have to weather it out, and you do risk, and that's probably the reason why, why Claude has a, has a small piece only, you do risk that they have to come back to the market and do another capital raising, if it, yeah. if it lasts too long mm. for that. That's possible, especially um, as they're spending more on trying to expand into video. Exactly. So now is not the time, because if you take a look at that chart, you know, hit the lows obviously around that March 23rd, mm. um, but it's still being just as heavily impacted by COVID pretty much yeah. as it was at that time. So it's yeah, just... So it's, it's not cheap enough, basically. That's my view. Now, this is one that's interesting as well because some of the rebound plays that we can sort of talk about, like they'll actually start being beneficiaries really quickly. But because it's not like as soon as you start having concerts again, these guys are making sales. Because no. all the people that run concerts and run yes. those venues... They're yeah. short they're, on cash. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. they need to have yeah. a few concerts yeah. first and have yeah. confidence before they yeah. invest in the future. So I don't see this as a fast rebounder. I could yeah. be wrong, of course, yeah. and I do like the business, hence my interest in yeah. it. Yeah. But for me, I just can't pay up right now. I have a... Similar but slightly different view. I think when if, if if we get to a point where the reopening trade is really on, I think the share price will rocket because people will go like, oh, it's a re reopening trade. But then the realization will kick in that actually there's such a humongous lag in yeah. the system mm -hmm. that the share price will have to come back. I don't again. think it's a rush. Yeah, right. Way. Okay, so there's also likely in Rudy's view to be a bit of volatility in there as well. So let's get to our next company. Stefan is asking about... Points bet. It's our fourth stock, so it is um, just inked a deal with NBC Universal. So you you know you attach NBC with any company, and it's going to do good things um, for its profile at least. But the bottom line is it it's now you know closer to its goal of being a national operator in the U.S. when it comes to sports betting, but also gaming betting as well, and that's a huge area of interest. It is. It's a huge... I hope that Rudy can give some balance for my view here because it might not be very popular. The, so they're both huge markets, but in particular, as you said, the other gaming stuff is a huge market. It's also a very competitive market. Um, perhaps there's less competition in the sports betting because our US has some different laws from us around that and they're more opening that up now. And I think that's the story that has allowed this stock to be such a wonderful performer. So for anyone holding, I don't want to take anything away from your great returns. I'm not, I'm not against it. Just... I guess on the flip side of it, for me, when I saw that massive share price rise on the basis of an agreement with NBC, I thought, oh, this seems a bit, a little bit too frothy for my liking. And, and then, of course, I think around that time, um, you know, you've got the co-founder and chief commercial officer is selling a lot of shares. Yes, he's bought some shares at $6.50 under the offering, but he's also sold a lot of his shares at like closer to $10. And the net result is he's taking money out from what I've seen anyway, and around this time. And then on top of that, he's stepping down off the board as well, uh, which means that, yeah, it it's not usually a great sign, although, you know, you can always, it's not a bad sign necessarily. It's just, it doesn't give me heaps of confidence mm. that the share price is extremely attractive right now, put it that way. So mm. for me, even though I understand that they're in a growing market and they're gaining share in a growing market, and that is what has um, driven the optimism mm -hmm. in the share price. And I, that, that sociological phenomenon where people are buying more shares because they're excited about that story, that may continue for some time. But do I think that the profits will eventually justify this? No, because I think that they're going to go into a low margin competitive space and the, the, the profits won't easily be there. So for me, I, well, I don't like well, it. Well, let me help you out there. There's no profits for five years. Right? <laughs> yeah. They already flagged that one. So they will not be profitable for five years now. So 
the excitement about the deal, yes, but there will be no profits for five yeah, years no as, as a result. So it'll all be about execution. And yeah, because they've right. got to make their name in the U.S., which is yes. a massive it's market. They've got it's to opening. spend on advertising, yes. and the regulatory environment is very different there yes. as well. I mean, sports betting is ubiquitous here, but it, it is not, actually, in, no. in many parts no. of the no, state. That's the opportunity, but also the execution has to follow. Yeah. And, and yeah. everyone here in Australia reading about this opportunity from Australia probably are thinking, oh, it's going to be like Australia. This is massive. Mm. And look, they might be yeah. right. But for me, I see it, like, if you look at our betting companies like TAB and stuff like that, it's not like they're absolutely soaring. It, this can be not, it's not the same as a business-to-business, software-as-a-service enterprise thing where you're just getting massive margins and you're super sticky and there's no, no one can compete because people are stuck with you. It's not the same kind of business, but it seems to be priced like that. Hmm. So that's a no. Yeah, it's a no. <laughs> I was going to make that, you know, wouldn't you take a bet on it, punch on it, well, but I'll, just, I'll leave it there. I'll take okay. the other side of the bet. Yeah. We, we could say we could take a bet on it. No. <laughs> All right. So that's points bet PBH, but there, you know, there, there's a lot of attention on that company right now. And um, look, I'll just uh, give you a spoiler. That was in the call portfolio. Since we've got two no's from our guests. Oh, I think no. it's out yeah, yeah, yeah. of the portfolio. We're, we're the I was waiting for Got to my now. producer to confirm that in my ear. But yeah, I think that's how these rules work. It's it's out. It's out. Gotham says I am right. Maybe we can put in some good replacements. See, we don't tell the guys, by the way, which company we're asking about that's in the portfolio because we want it to be, you know, straight down right. the middle. We want it to be an honest opinion, not to be swayed. Um, okay, so let's move on. Uh, we're getting close to the halfway mark of the program, so I think it's worthwhile to do Regal Investment Fund, RF1. And this is a question coming from Nick. Rudy, I'm going to start with you on this one. Maybe you could just tell us a little bit about what um, comprises the investment fund. It's a bit of an alternative strategy, I think. Well, Regal, okay. Regal is, 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 has been, uh, in the past few years, one of the better performer when it comes to active fund management in Australia, right? Yeah. Um, in 2019, and I don't know whether, they only won only two or three funds anyway, but I don't know if it's this particular fund, but in 2019, one of their funds made something ridiculous, like 83% or something over the year, which is, is something that you don't often see in Australia, that mm-hmm. a fund actually does that much. But then the, the drawback was that when, when the market conked out in, in February, March, they were at the bottom of the, of the performance ladder. So they, they, they were completely taken by surprise. My understanding is, and I mean, these guys are experienced. They've been around for quite a while. They, they, they employ a lot of um, strategies that most of us wouldn't engage in. Or I mean, things like, for example, if they figure out that a certain stock is going to drop out of an index, they'll drop it in advance or they buy it before it goes into an index. Things like that, which have not necessarily anything to do with the fundamentals of a company, but it's just market technicals, basically. Often they do a good, 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 good deal at it. Um, I'm not a big fan of owning active fund managers myself. Um, um, I'm probably confident enough that I do a good job at it myself, for starters. But it's also that that industry as a whole is basically on, on a sliding path into oblivion if they're not careful. And a lot of them will disappear over the next decade. Uh, m- m- there's not only a pressure on margins, um, there will also be a, an increasing competition from ETFs and from other uh, much cheaper alternatives. Um, and so you really, 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 really have to make your case that you are really worth people's money and you take care of it very, very well. 
we seldom um, mention Warren Buffett here, but I, I, let's let me mention Warren Buffett. Let's even, do a Warren even, Buffett name even, drop. Even, even he says that even if you're smart enough to, to beat the market, you're probably not able to do it consistently after fees. Yeah? Yeah. And that is part of the problem. Now, having said so, these guys um, have performed really, really well in, in, uh, in the past few years. I think the scenario I just described is, is, is shows you where the risk lies. When, it, when it's a raging bull market, they shoot the lights out. When it's not, you have to be careful that you don't end up on the, on the bottom of the performance ladder. Um, but otherwise, um, I mean, I, I wouldn't do it, but I can see the attraction uh, because they've been performing a lot better than a lot of other They've been other performing a lot better. Not everybody is Rudy yes. Philippek Van Dyke wants to And also, do it themselves. They, have, they have to do it consistently better than the ETFs as well mm -hmm. at a lower cost, the ETFs. Yeah. And we are seeing costs coming into the structure as well, even with some of these listed investment trusts with Absolutely. Magellan, um, you know, looking to, to yes. compete yes. really with the ETF space. So um, you've got money. You've got money to invest. Would you be putting it into RF1? I Definitely not, but that doesn't mean that it's a terrible uh, investment. So zooming in on, I guess, what Rudy was saying is that, you know, you have to have a really compelling reason, in my view, to invest with, to choose the fund manager, because there are a lot of fund managers out there. And, and these guys do invest in small caps, which I think is a good spot to be in, but they have a diversified approach. They have a rather big fund. You're reliant on them continuing to buy back shares to have liquidity in it for a start. So if you buy shares in this listed fund and you want to sell them later, you need them, they're at the moment in the market buying back shares, but you need them to continue doing that. Yeah. I'm not sure about the documents of the fund, but that is not always guaranteed. And it's good to see that they are doing that, but there are plenty of listed funds that don't do that. And you can sort of get stuck and have to, you might've bought at net asset value, but you have mm -hmm. to sell at 10% or 20% below net asset value, right when you want money, which is the main reason why I never invest in listed funds ever. And I don't think I ever will. Um, the other thing is then for me, I just get extremely picky. So I don't personally, uh, I'm, I invest most of my money in actual stocks, but I do invest in my family does invest in a number of funds, but I try to keep it small. So a fund manager, especially if they're doing small caps, they're going to have an easier time of it when they've got 10 million under funds under management than when they have 200 million. It's just, it's there. Why is that? So there are opportunities, say in smaller companies, like I think the one we're talking about next is a smaller company and a big billion dollar fund or even $300 million fund yeah, yeah. would not be able to easily accumulate um, a decent sized right. holding in that company without pushing the share price up massively mm -hmm. on the way in and then probably doing the same if they wanted to sell. So as a result, these strategies, the best strategies on the market, certainly the ones that work best for me and all the funds I invest in are doing very well, and they all have this in common, which is you follow a strategy that repeatedly works, which is find the inefficiencies in the small cap. But the reason that repeatedly works is if you're really good at it, you run a fund, you do it, you make massive returns, you attract hundreds of millions of dollars, yeah. and you can't do it anymore. Yeah, and that's why it works. But that's why I'm choosing funds for me and my family. I'm choosing the really good managers when they're just starting out. Hmm. With you know, I've got people that have you know, $10 million, like the last fund we went in had $10 million, uh, 10 million roughly, I think, under management with what they were, I don't know exactly, but it, I'm talking well under $100 million yeah. and probably by $200 million is when it's time to cycle that money out mm. for me. Mm -hmm. I suspect the accumulation is not the problem, it's getting out. So I suspect one of the problems they had in March, because Claude says it's a good space to be in the small caps. Yes, on, on, until liquidity withdraws. Exactly. And then you're mm -hmm. in a small cap, and you can't get out, yeah. right? And if the share price then tanks by half, the only thing you can do is sit still and just wait for yeah, things yeah. To, to happen. Yeah, right, okay. 
Um, look, that brings us to the halfway mark. So just to summarize our first five stocks plus the stock of the day, which was a bit of a fizzle. So when it comes to Crown, which is the stock of the day, um, look, both gentlemen said, no, it's not a company that they would invest in. And it's not a reopening thematic that they'd be interested in as well, because I knew that was the next question that you were all wondering out there. Um, our first stock that was nominated by Jason was Domino's Pizza. It's a hold for Claude. So he says that uh, the one thing you've got to be careful of is that a lot of other organizations, particularly because they've learned through COVID, will move into this delivery space and that it will likely become more competitive. Um, Rudy says it's not a bad company, but um, you'd only want to buy it if there was a serious pullback. And that is a quote. Julie wrote in about ResMed. It is a buy for Claude. Uh, the business is sound. There are tailwinds. And they also have tech, so software, software as a service behind them. So that's a thematic that he likes. Rudy saying that it is, this is a reopening trade. Um, so he would buy that. Audinate, which is answering Lamb's question. Um, yeah, both of them just say not now. Like the business is good, but uh, the lingering impact of COVID will make this a very long recovery story if it does which they think it could very well become so, but it will just take quite a lot of time and there might be a bit of volatility in the meantime. Points bet out of the portfolio. Yeah, it's a no from both of these guys, which goes against what a lot of others have said, but that makes a market, doesn't it? Claude says it's just too frothy right now. And uh, Rudy Filipek van Dyke, well, it's not making money and likely won't for five years. So that's a bit tough for him to get his head around and his money behind. And then we were just chatting about Regal, which is RF1. So it's the Regal Investment Fund. Um, <clears throat> basically, Rudy says he's better at doing it for himself. But besides that, for those of you out there, he said that there's just a lot of competition when it comes to ETFs, particularly on price. And as Warren Buffett says, you know, performance is not guaranteed. Repeat performance is not guaranteed going forward. What's the exact quote, Rudy? Uh, that if they can beat the market, they probably can't do it consistently do after fees. Yeah, okay. So, and uh, for Claude, yeah, again, it's just, it comes down to liquidity really at the end of the day and uh, yeah, execution, um, consistent execution, I, I suppose, going forward. So, we don't have a lot of winners there, but I'd say that um, ResMed is <laughs> one. The second half is Let's see how the second the half goes. All right. So, let's just, um, <laughs> yeah, get you across the portfolio that we've been tracking since July the 1st. All the stocks, basically all the stocks that get two thumbs up or a buy from both of our experts on one show we've been putting in. So let's get a check on how we've been performing so far. Uh, weekly, we're up by 2% and 1.4% uh, on the month. But since July the 1st, just over nine and three quarters percent return higher. So, I don't think that's too shabby. Let's take a look at some of the stocks that we added to the portfolio recently. AUB Group, Betmakers Technology, Simic. Ah, that's surprising. Battery Tech and Lithium, which is an ETF ACDC, best name on the block, I think. And Altium has been put in there recently as well. So if you'd like to know all of the stocks that we have in this call portfolio, Gotham's out there erasing, pressing delete on points bet. Um, you can do that by going to Osbiz dot co forward slash portfolio and we will update you on that one every day here on the call with how it's tracking and um, just a reminder of the newsletter it's called the cob we do it every night we get it to you in your inbox by 5 30. the podcast has a bit of a laugh sometimes but we really get you across 
Um, really what you need to know from the day. We've got uh, some executive insights as well. And don't forget, you can download our app where you can tag the companies on your watch list and you'll get it notified when they get a mention that's available on the iOS App Store. Zip, Zipco is actually the top followed company right now. Our sixth stock, welcome back, gentlemen, steady on. Our sixth <laughs> stock sent to us by Jaden, and this is Ready Tech Holdings. I feel like Claude to my left has just been, you know, getting ready to talk about this one. The ticker code is RDY. So just for those of you out there that might not know what Ready Tech does, it's basically management software, so HR management software. So, and it can be used in the education space. And um, yeah, it's sort of human resource service as a software. Is yeah. That, yeah, yeah, that's basically right. Except there's one little detail I'll add. So we've got some great stocks come out. I hope I can convince Rudy of some of them because I think <laughs> they're great options. And this is probably um, one of my top three that we're talking about today. And what it does is exactly what you said, but also, and the key point is, is payroll. So I actually, quite coincidentally, uh, maybe a week or two ago, wrote an article about this for my uh, subscribers. And it was basically, the title was, which I've just, I'll make it available for everyone so you can look at it. But basically the title was, Can ReadyTech Become a Source of Truth? And that is why I'm interested in this business. So from a valuation perspective, it's sort of neither really, really frothy, but nor particular value play. Like it's, it's trading on about 40 times earnings or something like that, which is not too bad for a software company in this environment where everybody loves software companies. But the thing that really interests me about it is part of the pro, like part of what it provides is a way for management, say, of um, a TAFE or something like that, mm -hmm. Bendigo TAFE, to track you know, payments to people outgoing and student management and stuff like that. And it's the HR thing, tracking what, who's your student, you know, whether they've paid their fees, have you paid your employees, all that kind of stuff. But these are often very interesting businesses. And there are quite a few like this that provide this kind of software. It is a competitive market, but it's an interesting spot to be in because you're controlling the outgoings of money and you can become a source of truth for that organization about where the money's going. And that makes managers extremely hesitant to change anything about the system because this is what's allowing them to track and keep track of the financial results and financial viability of the company, the outgoings and the incoming money. And you see time and time again, like Elmo is another one we've got in the ASX. Uh -huh. Overseas, we've got stuff like uh, Workday, which is a massive company and does the same thing, but for humongous organizations. And what these guys are able to do is by getting in as part of the software stack in a really immovable way, they're able to sometimes and often gradually expand what they do. So first you're doing payroll and then you're doing HR and then you're doing continuing learning and then you're doing um, expense management mm -hmm. and you can gradually just sort of land and expand what you're doing. So are these guys going to be able to challenge, you know, the biggest global bear moths at this? No, but they're, they're looking at a niche, in particular in the education se sector, which I think they do have a decent chance of competing in if they can tailor their solutions specifically to that sector, which is um, quite possible. And what's more, I think a lot of these people are still on really old legacy systems mm -hmm. so that there's potentially their, their existing incumbents there are prime areas where they can move into. So to me, I see a company that's got good cash flow, that's got profit, that's not insanely priced and has a potentially really good niche to go after. So that's why, of course, I should disclose I bought shares quite recently and probably only a few weeks 
few weeks ago at about $1.80 I think I was paying, which was very close to the current price. And I just think that the risk reward is good. You know, I'm not saying some sort of crazy all in bet, but like it looks good to yeah, me. Yeah, okay. So you would maybe wait for just a down day in the market overall, a day that tech's not having a great day and just you buy didn't in. Wait. You already bought. Yeah, I, I, I basically <laughs> But you're recommending bought. that. Well, I would, yeah, I would still buy. probably, look, if I hadn't already bought shares now and owned zero shares, I would buy it now basically yeah. because, you know, it's a it's a 5% uplift from where I bought it. It's But what I'm aiming for is if they can really do this plan that I just outlined, yeah, yeah. I think that they could be a lot bigger in the future. Ready tech, Rudy. How, how does the, 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 the limitations in, in education at the moment, how would that impact on them? I is, think that, is that an ordinate story as well? I th yeah, I think that is a negative, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Like, maybe you could argue because, because of the, so these guys are at least sticky, whereas ordinate has to constantly sell mm. more chips. Mm -hmm. So if you have a down mm. in demand, their revenue goes down, whereas yeah. at least these guys yeah. have super yeah. high retention. So at least they don't go down. Although, yeah. as you've said, it could make it harder to make additional yeah. sales. Mm. And that was something that came through in their most recent results. Like yeah. we're yeah. resilient yeah. as software providers that are essential source of truth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that, that that tells the story, I think. I mean, I, I pretty much agree with everything that, uh, that Claude said. There's potential, um, the share price is where it is, which is sort of in the middle, not really cheap, not really expensive. I think the few brokers who cover it have a have valuations of price targets in double digit percentage above the share price, so there's the potential. I think it's all about execution. The market doesn't know this stock very well. It listed a little bit over a year ago, something like that. So on my observation, and I um, I often refer to this because it is is its value. Uh, it is valid under many circumstances. A listed stock takes about three, four years to really show its true colors. And as an investor, you have to take that into account. And I'm personally of the view that only under on the, on the exceptional circumstances will I buy something that isn't yet three or four years listed. Because you do take risk on board because they all have a story and potential at first. And it takes a while before to show their true colors. So I would say in addition to Claude, um, I would treat it uh, a little bit more cautiously, uh, smaller part of your portfolio, see it at this stage as a punt, uh, maybe preferably just watch the stock and, and see what it's going to do and the company over the next two years. If it is a growth story, uh, missing out on the first three years is by no means a disaster. Huh? Mm -hmm. Like if you miss the first three years of ResMed, nothing happened, yeah? Yeah, yeah? Still a lot of profits to be made, so, but your risk is much lower and that's, that's the it's a key thing. So I'm not going to say yes, because otherwise it's going to the portfolio. Oh, <laughs> I was but it's fair enough just had to scratch out my chicken scratch. Okay. Well, fair that's point. disappointing. Fair anyway, yeah, I've, got okay. two, I've got two more I like. I'll try and get them <laughs> Okay, so we'll go back uh, maybe a little bit more old school. We'll go to Mortgage Choice. This is coming from uh, Stephen. Stephen, thanks for watching. So, yeah. I'll say this, um, we have seen a lot of refinancing through this COVID period. We've mm -hmm. had a bit of a restructure, a bit of a strategic change going on at Mortgage Choice. Rudy, do you think this is a winning combination? Um, it might. Um, it, it, it is, I mean, it's, there's definitely a drive from this government in Canberra to, to re rejuvenate the, the, the credit markets and the, and the property markets and in an attempt to, to get this economy going uh, in, in a better shape. So um, there is, I mean, the, all the, the, the signs are there that it is well possible that we will see more mortgage renewals, more mortgages, more houses uh, turning over and mortgage choice would benefit from that. With the cyber mark, if you want to play that theme, uh, probably the one who's probably going to do even better 
would be AFG, which is Australian Finance Corp, um, which I believe is, 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 is right now has become the market leader in the, in the, in the local sector, mm -hmm. I think. Um, so that would even be a better play, I think. But you have to take into account that there are a lot of bits and buts and what ifs also. Um, very important for the Australian housing market is, is for example, is the fact that, um, that immigration is, 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 is close to zero at the moment. Very supportive uh, element for the... But I'm maybe at this point, um, and this is a, this is a theme I, I pick up here and there, Money is so cheap, including mortgages, that for a lot of people it actually makes sense to, to buy something instead of just being a renter, if they can get the, the deposit. Uh, yeah, ready. we're seeing some more first home buyers moving exactly. into the market. So uh, I think, long story short, I think that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a position worth considering for the for the 12 or 18 months ahead. Yes. But you you prefer AFG. City but says that the, uh, the valuation yeah. is pretty compelling. Um, yeah, curious to get your thoughts, Claude, because you know, you've got the banks actually in a situation where they're paying people. They're giving people a few thousand dollars if they'll refinance with them. Mm, yeah. So there's a lot of, I guess, uh, bullish comp competition in the housing market at the moment. And well, we talked about reopening plays. And I actually think, so I'm not going to say yes to this one because it's just too risky and hard to predict for me. And I'm too cautious of that kind of thing. But I do think this could be a good reopening play mm. because what we've got is... Um, settings where a lot of people are competing to lend and people want to mm. lend to anyone that's mm -hmm. even vaguely credit worthy. Well, and we've got the relaxation of the lending laws as yeah. well. Mm. So well, that should stoke demand, right? Mm -hmm. like, so you've got a situation where the settings are there for high demand for mortgages. And can you imagine if in the best case scenario, sometime next year, you know, we've got fast testing, we're starting to have at least somewhat effective vaccine you know, there's going to be a party at some point if we get this thing s solved. Like, people are going to be like, woohoo, I'll go and take a heap of risk. Everything's fine. I can get jobs. Like, boom. And you've already got the financial settings where that would be very, very easy to happen. You could have a massive, you know, the, the property market could just sail through this whole thing. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I just think there's a possibility that could happen. And if you were someone that took that optimistic view, which I think is a possibility, though I wouldn't bet on it personally, um, then this could be a really good play. So maybe for people that want to look at that kind of thing, it might be an appropriate play. But for me, it's still probably a trading stock just because uh, as we sort of know, like the businesses that I tend to look at as long-term investments are sort of very resilient, mm -hmm. hard, to, hard to kill, just keep on growing their software. They're taking more and more value out of a, a tech stack. That's kind of what I look for. This is a different kind of thing, but could be interesting. Unfortunately, it's not going in the portfolio. It's yeah. not going in the <laughs> no, portfolio. Let's answer. find out about ProMedicus, though, because I'm, I'm getting the big move along. It's PME is coming to us from John. Um, over to you, Claude. Thank you, John. <laughs> I've been waiting to talk about this one for so long. Um, so I should give upfront, obviously, as most people who know me would know, this is my favorite ASX stock. It's been my biggest position for, oh, really? for many years. So at one point, this was a 40% position in my portfolio. Ooh. Such was my confidence in its prowess as a business. Um, is this I think a time where I remind long, everyone that's, that's, term, that's not the way to go? You need a longer term chart than that to sort of understand what I'm there. Thank you. So this, <laughs> is, this is depicting something like a, a you know, up 20 times or whatever, and I was buying it even off the left side of that chart in 2014. Yeah. Um, but I have bought it since, and I've bought it this year, I've bought it recently, I've bought it around current prices. I did sell some at above $30 where you see that massive yeah. peak. That was caused by its inclusion into the, S, uh, to the 200 index. 
um, a whole bunch of funds and passive funds sort of thought, oh, we forgot to buy this one. And they all decided yeah. they had to buy it at the same time. But so basically the story here is what these guys do is just as Netflix would stream a big movie to, and that's why you can instantly start watching it, you don't have to download 10 gigabytes. What these guys are essentially doing is they're streaming for radiologists these even bigger files that might be a, a mammogram, for example. Huge files, like four, they're 4D in the sense they see over time as well, so you, someone might go back and have several. And they've got them thousands of slices, big files. And what this technology does it is allows, um, instead of the radiologist, as they previously have to do, is like download some file yeah. that might take 10 minutes because it's done on a machine that goes there and it's stored there and they want to get it on their computer. It's an absolute very slow disaster. These guys can instantly allow them to look at it on their iPad, look at it on the, and that's FDA approved, on their computer, anything. This saves so much time for radiologists who are extremely expensive, especially in, especially in the USA. So the economics just makes sense for a hospital system like Mayo Clinic, uh, like Mercy, what was the last one is the NYU Langdon, I think, so this is associated with New York University. These guys get all the big serious players in US healthcare are going with this because the radiologists want it because it's better and it saves them money because um, the radiologist's time is so valuable. And then finally, it actually, by being a better system, actually sometimes saves lives because it allows people to spot problems quicker and there are accounts on their blogs of how this has saved people's life. Mic drop. <laughs> yeah, it's, so, it's, so, it's such a good I business. Know. Price though. Um, so it's, it is reasonably expensive at the moment. So what happened that caused me to start buying it again is so I bought when it dipped down yeah. and then I was like, oh, it's coming back up a bit too quickly. But then what happened is they've announced more contracts. So there's a, a recent one there. And why that is significant is because they are gradually getting almost all of the big hospitals. And when they get their first big like hospital, say Mayo Clinic mm -hmm. or something like that, you say, oh, well, this is definite evidence that these guys have the best system. Mm -hmm. Well, years later, they're getting all of them. These And these hospital systems are going to grow and take more and more of the pie. They chat. Promedicus charges on a transactional basis. They So you would have expected to see a big dip in COVID when not even that much of a dip. These guys are just cruising through the hard times where everything's disrupted like what ResMed had. And then this is going to have like many, many years of stuck in growth. And they've got all the teaching hospitals and those people are learning AI algorithms that is then going to be accessed through, this is the next evolution of the business is these are the platform on which you'll have radiology AI algorithms that yeah. other very intelligent like professors and stuff like that have come up with their team of data scientists how to do this. And they can do this. And one day, I hope, it's multiple different AI algorithms, machine learning algorithms are being run on their platform. They're just going to get such a great moat if this happens that I think it's just one of, if, I think it's my favorite stock on the ASX and I think there's a good argument for it being you know, one of the highest quality businesses on the ASX. You do realize that if you get any fees from the companies, you have to disclose. I do them. not get. I, I mean, I benefit. <laughs> no, but like, this is genuine enthusiasm no, over here. This helps people. Yeah. It helps people. It makes good money. Their profits are going up really fast. It was forty percent in the last year, something like that. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's good stuff. Are you going to be a bummer about this <laughs> one or what? No, it's. It, I'll, I'll I'll give you away. It's going to go into portfolio. Sweet. Um, uh, uh, I think there's a few differences between Claude and myself. Uh, when Claude was buying, um, I, was, I was advising fund managers to keep an eye on this one. And I wasn't buying because the volume was too low and, and, and the company was too small and they still had to do a lot of stuff. Um, I do remember at, at, at the time, I got a phone call from one of the fund managers said, like, I owe you a few beers. I said, like, why? He said, 
Paul Radikas. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I looked at the share price we went from. Yeah. <laughs> I go, oh, yeah, that was a nice one. Um, in the meantime, I'm a shareholder as well. It's, it's actually quite, I mean, it would never be 40% of my portfolio, by the way. That's and it's not that that's for a, me That's now, a difference between Claude and myself yeah. as well. I, I took it right down. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll add a little bit uh, to Claude's story because Claude has done all the groundwork already. This is one of the, we forget this, but this started off with an acquisition. This was an ailing company on the stock exchange that had second rank software and saw an opportunity in the United States of this technology that became available because a larger company did not have time or, or effort for it and mm -hmm. sold it for an, for an apple and an egg, literally. Mm -hmm. In 2009, right? I mean, and, and, and here we have like one of the, the most exciting, and I agree with that, uh, technology stocks on the stock exchange just happens to be in the healthcare sector. Yep. So they're definitely, they already have a mode as far as I'm concerned. One of the advantages they have is if they sign a contract now, it takes about two years to implement it. So you see the profits coming in advance. Yeah. And that's one of the beautiful things you see. Every time they announce a contract now, you know, oh, in two years' time, they have more profits. Yeah. And that's one of the, I mean, I'm a shareholder. I'll, I'll, I intend to be a shareholder okay. for a while. And John, it now goes into the portfolio. There you go. Okay, I'm going to have to whip through these other ones. But, um, you know, one of them, I don't know if we've got so much to say on. But Energy One, EOL, it's an energy trading platform. It's across yeah. the energy spectrum. Do you like it? Yes. I think we had a quick chat about this the other day. So yeah. basically, um, when big companies, I'm talking energy retailers, energy generators, that sort of thing, they're trading in energy. Well, you know, guess what? No surprises that that is done by software. So I think these guys started in Australia ye years ago and they were doing sort of a linter and stuff like that. The reason that chart looks like that is because they're so low volume. Yeah. So I think Rudy will say this, but I'll say this one as well. This is a low volume stock. Do not go out and rush to buy shares in this kind of business because you can't, if you want to turn around and sell the same day, you're going to take a 5% haircut basically. Mm. But what is good about these guys is that they are growing both organically and through acquisition. So they've bought one, one um, similar company in the UK, one in um, France, luckily, those are all in the same code language, so they're going to be in a good position and are in a good position to put those together. They're already winning clients as a joint offering with the acquired companies. So it's looking to me like the recent acquisitions have done really well. That's upsized the business. $20 million revenue now, trading on only about 5.5 times revenue with, and it is profitable, although profits are not the focus mm -hmm. at the moment. It is profitable, so it's in a good position. It did recently raise some capital for its acquisition. And yeah, basically, it, it looks good to me. I own, I own shares in this one as well. It's just the kind of business that I like to, mm. to buy mm -hmm. and hold. He knows me too well. I'm too small. I mean, if I put $100 in there, the, the share price doubles tomorrow. Um, <laughs> I mean, that, so it's too small. Um, and I actually question longer term, um, how large is the, the energy trading sector? Once they have a certain stake of that market, how, how far, the, how much further well, can you go? And we have seen other businesses with similar kind of businesses mm. really struggle in this. So it's definitely a co co um, competitive market. Mm -hmm. And obviously, if you, you can, it's not guaranteed that you'll keep on winning. Now, mm. at the moment, they've been holding their own or winning a little mm. bit. But I think what you really need to see in order for it to get become a really exciting investment is a bit more organic growth. Because most of their growth, mm. a lot of their growth has come via making it smart acquisitions, which of course, as Rudy will say, there is also risk in that acquisition strategy. Okay, Julian, that's Energy One. Ross has written in about mineral resources, M-I-N. Um, Rudy, I'm going to start with you. Iron ore prices still going strong. Yeah. You know, it won't continue at the same clip forever, but mm. profits and revenue growing at mineral resources. Yes, but the share price reflects that. Um, big, big, the big question mark in mineral resources is how long iron ore and when lithium? 
Um, at the moment, lithium is not everyone's disregard lithium because it's, it's on its knees and uh, you, you can tell by the share prices from the lithium producers. But they have both, and at the moment it's all about iron ore. Um, probably, with, they're probably better than Modelphus by now, so it's probably the best uh, services provider we have in the resources industry locally. Um, I would buy them uh, when they're down. It's very cyclical. Um, iron ore is, n even though the next two, three years might look very, 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 very good for iron ore, it's not going to stay there forever and ever. Um, so you have to take the cyclical uh, element in, 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 um, in, in account. And, and again, I mean, if lithium takes off and iron ore falls, the share price might actually be remain where they are or, or go higher. I don't know. That's the unpredictability. So of it. buy For on me, a dip, but happy to hold it if you already own it? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Mineral resources. I know it's not the area of the market that yeah. excites you, however. Well, it's hard for me to disagree with anything Rudy just said. I, and I do think, looking from the outside, it looks like one of the better mining, company, mm. com mining companies in Australia. You have a founder CEO that's like very aligned mm. with shareholders, which I love to see. Management is extremely important in mining, which is, can actually be naturally quite a tough mm. business. So I'd echo what, what Rudy says there completely, really. Which, okay. which makes it different from Crown. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, where am I starting with this one? I changed the color of my pen so I knew. ReadyTech Holdings, RDY. Claude likes this one. Could it become a source of truth? It also has a niche area that it operates in for now, which is education. It's a buy for him. Uh, Rudy's saying, look, it's got potential and the valuation is sort of middle of the road, so it's not too expensive, it's not too cheap, but the big question is execution. Why buy now? Give a listed company three or four years to prove itself before he would get in. Uh, mortgage Choice, look, both saying that uh, this is potentially an area of opportunity given we will see all this pent-up demand in the mortgage market. However, Rudy says that AFG is probably a better bet. Claude says might be a reopening play, but it's not good enough to go into the portfolio is the bottom line. So points bet, see you later. Hello, ProMedicus into our model portfolio. It's a buy from both, right, especially right. from Claude. Best company on the ASX in his view. Rudy says it's already got a moat. And you guys, I'm sure, have heard moats being talked about enough that you know that that's a good thing. And this is, you know, great tech company here in Australia. Energy One, EOL, Claude likes it. We did have a chat about it. I was wondering, I was trying to remember who I spoke with um, about it too recently. So it's software, it's in the right area. Low volume is the big problem when it comes to EOL for Rudy. He's also questioning just, you know, where the sort of blue sky ends for a company like Energy One, which is an energy trading platform. And Mineral Resources, it's a minor. It's, you know, it's good. It's middle, it's, it's got prices for iron ore behind it right now. But Rudy says, look, the share price definitely reflects that. It's a hold, perhaps a buy went down. And Claude likes that it's got solid management, but not really something that he's that interested in, but pretty well run mining company from all he can see. So that is a hold. So we've got ProMedicus in the portfolio. I think that was worth that hour just to see the excitement. <laughs> Claude Walker from A Rich Life, thank you so much for joining us. Rudy Philippek Van Dyke, as always. That was fun. That's the show for today. If you'd like to get a stock covered, flick us an email. The call at ausbiz.com.au or you can always tweet us on Ausbiz TV and you can hop on Twitter right now to see some of the back and forth about this episode. Just follow Claude Walker at A Rich Life. And if you'd like to see that model portfolio, you can go to ausbiz.co forward slash portfolio. That's it for us today. Stay with us. Later on, the Startup Daily Show will be talking about 
UPower. So it's created a platform to make it easier for consumers to access solar energy. That is a little bit later on. We'll get you across the markets, though, when we return.